Happy Thursday, everyone. And last Thursday of the year, at least for us over here at Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Hi, guys. Well, like I said, it is the last pod for the year. We're taking a little break. I hope everyone is going to have an amazing Christmas and New Year's. Stay safe. But you're here today. You're here on Thursday to listen to your pop culture podcast on all of the things you're too embarrassed to ask about or too embarrassed to acknowledge you know. And with that, I'm just going to get right to it. We have really one of the most incredible people I know as our guest today. She is a writer, a comedian, like does huge stand-up comedy shows. She is a podcaster. She is an activist. She is a Brit. She is a new dog mama. And this is Grace Campbell. Hi, Gracie. Hi, Brooke. Miss you. I miss you too. She's coming to us from London with her new baby curled up next to her. Exactly. I can't believe it. And I miss potato as well. I know. Well, potato and I are, um, it actually is going to go into uh, what we are going to talk about today, but we're just recovering from a little bit of a uh, bullying situation on our walk where I got into a fight with a guy. We're going to talk about that, but I'm more upset about him criticizing my dog for no reason. He just called my dog ugly. How um, dare he? I will honestly yeah. fight anyone honestly. that chats shit about your dog. I love him so much. And, and he loves you. So Grace has stayed with me. Grace, when she's visited across the pond to Los Angeles, we've been roomies for a bit. And Grace and I uh, share the same birthday. So we're Torian queens and um, similar sense of humor in many ways, though. She is just leaps and bounds funnier in every area. And we're both fans and passionate lovers of Jamaica. So there's a lot in common. You, Grace, though. So what I want to do today is we've there's a lot of things that have happened, but the newsletter really clearly touched some nerves, which is we can get back to why a Scottishman in my neighborhood decided to scream at me and call me names. But the newsletter, I, I, I admittedly don't know enough about football, soccer, to make this a this week's newsletter all about the World Cup. I understand that it is the biggest global event. I understand that it was the most watched thing ever in the universe. There are a million memes like Salt Bay, the chef being ignored by the Argentinian team and by Mesa and being criticized for touching the cup. But it's not my world. There's so many other people covering all that stuff. So I focused on some of the other pop culture zeitgeisty moments that were happening, including the Harry and Megan documentary on Netflix, which I had written about last week and or mentioned it and really wasn't going to get into it much more beyond that. I understood that everybody has an opinion. Lots of people's opinions seem to be unchanged from the documentary, if not made more clear. But it wasn't until waking up this weekend to find a article in The Sun written by Jeremy Clarkson, someone both Grace and I know, someone I disclosed in my newsletter, which I Why felt- did I know him? You've never met him? No. Your dad knows him. My dad's never really, he did like a Ugh. celebrity episode of Top Gear, my dad, but- my dad's never really been a fan of his. So they're not in the same. Yeah. So and and listen, well, it's like a, Jeremy Clarkson is very right wing. Was he right wing when I dated him? Did I just not know that? I don't. I wasn't. If I was there, I would have counseled you in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I wasn't> <laughs> 
Look, in my defense, I was, this was six years ago or something. I was not a Londoner. I had just sold my company. I was navigating this new weird world. And I met him on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean with no context. I mean, I thought he was somebody's father on the boat. We were on a friend's boat and he was utterly charming. I mean, not, if you looked at all the men I've dated, there's not really a common thread. None of them look the same. None of them are the same age. None of them are in the same career. I just like really interesting. They're they're all smart. That's the thing. And they might all have red flags. That might be their common, their common feature. That must be an April 30th issue. (laughs) Uh, That we just are attracted to red flags. Yeah. The brighter the red, the bigger the flags. We're bulls. So bulls run towards. Oh my God. Of course we go towards red. Oh, Gracie. So it's just, it's, it's, it's manifest destiny. I I can't, it's predetermined fate of mine. But anyway, he was somebody I knew. It was not the point of the newsletter to talk about. I don't disclose any personal interactions with Jeremy and I, or any personal revelations there, but I felt that it was important if I'm going to write about it. And I would definitely have written about it, whether I knew him or not, because it took over the sort of zeitgeist for a minute because he wrote this I mean, everybody has crazy takes and and I want to get your thoughts on this, Grace, because from where I'm sitting, it's like the amount of hatred for a woman that people don't even have any relationship with is is so bananas to me. And also I was living in London or, or working quite a bit in London at the time she came onto the scene. And there was such a elation initially. And they show that in the documentary, such a celebration of her. There was such a excitement and all of us sat up. I was in New York and watched the wedding and there was such joy and then everything has turned. But to have a 62-year-old man who had just been photographed in the Daily Mail as having lunch with the Queen's consort, which is Camilla, the, the wife of the Queen, of the King, having a lunch, like a very f- famous lunch. We knew people at that lunch, some of them that we we would have known, but b- both he and Piers Morgan were at that lunch, photographed, you know, arm in arm with Camilla. Um, and then two days later, this article appears in The Sun, And Jeremy is a writer, he's a TV personality, he's a host of shows like Top Gear and Grand Tour, and he has his own farm show now, Godspeed. Um, And he wrote, and he has a sense of humor and he thinks he's really funny. He also thinks everybody is in on it with him. And he took it, whether he thought it was funny or not, he took it to a place that was so disgusting. And he basically said how much he hates Megan and hates her more than a serial killer, a woman who is in prison, a famous person. And then also the first minister of Scotland. The first minister, female minister, right, of Scotland. Not like how I hate Nicola Sturgeon, who's our first minister of Scotland, who's an incredible woman, leader. I mean, I wish she was our prime minister. And then compared Nicola Sturgeon with Rose Ware. A child killer. And then said, I don't hate Meghan Markle like I hate Nicola Sturgeon and the murderer, but I hate her so much I want her to be paraded on the streets naked and everyone to throw shit at her. I believe he actually said he hated them more. He hates her more than them. He said it's a different kind of hate. He hates her on a cellular level. That's it, yeah. Yeah, I could actually, 
I would re- let me read it. This is what he wrote. Megan, though, is a different story. I hate her. Not like I hate Nicola Sturgeon or Rose West. I hate her on a cellular level. At night, I'm unable to sleep as I lie there grinding my teeth and dreaming of the day when she is made to parade naked through the streets of every town in Britain while the crowds chant shame and throw lumps of excrement at her, which is in reference to the Game of Thrones, a very, very troubling scene where the Sersha, 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 the queen who is evil, is paraded through the villages naked and people are throwing shit at her. It was actually an incredibly upsetting scene for those who watched it. Shame. 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 And it actually did something that you couldn't think possible in that show because this queen was so vile, so terrible, had no regard for human life or humanity. And yet we as an audience felt empathy for her in that situation. So even this most horrible person who deserved like, you know, the vitriol she was getting, we as an audience felt empathy because it was such a horrible, raw, scary moment. So if Jeremy inadvertently created empathy for Meghan Markle, but anyway, the reaction to that loud, it was too much. A lot of people don't know the Game of Thrones reference, by the way. A lot of people hadn't watched the show, so they were just seeing it as that was his recommendation, believe it or not, that a woman be paraded around the, the towns of Britain. That They didn't understand the precedent that he was coming from. But also completely irrelevant. Like, the thing is, like, even if you, like, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but also that was just like a, a crazy excuse, which was sort of will go up in the Hall of Fame of really bad justifications for poor behavior because it's completely irrelevant. Like the Game of Thrones reference, he was still saying that he wanted to do something violent. He, he Violent? In bed at night, grinding his teeth. I mean, get a fucking grip on your life if that's what you're thinking about before you go to bed, someone that you don't even know. Grinding your teeth, losing sleep, dreaming of a woman being nakedly berated on the street. I mean, it's just like, it's so profoundly embarrassing for him. And even though, I mean, The Sun have had to take the article down now because it had so many complaints here. They had more complaints than anything ever in in the yeah. history of journalism in the yeah. UK. And I just, I want to get your take because Grace, you have, first of all, Grace's comedy is so cutting and um, calls people out, calls different, you know, generations out, calls the complexities of, you know, the differences between men and women. She's co-founder of an organization called, was it the Pink Protest, right? Is that right? I, and I, I mean, Grace calls it like it is. And she says things that make people maybe uncomfortable at times because she's going against the sort of old school norms of the of the British mindset, which is what I want to tell you what happened to me. And then, Grace, I want your whole take on everything about Meghan and, and Harry and why we're here. But I was just literally before this podcast, uh, just at like 730 this morning, walking my dog in my neighborhood, a very quiet neighborhood in the Hollywood Hills. And I encounter this Scottish guy who I've known since I moved here. Every once in a while, we end up meeting at the same time and he's walking his golden retriever and we have a lovely chat and he's definitely old fashioned and out of touch and makes some misogynistic, racially insensitive comments that I just bite my tongue and maybe I should have not, but I've bitten them before. I've been like, nice to see you. Lovely. 
Anyway, he, uh, I guess, read the newsletter. His opinion on my opinion on Meghan Markle drove him nuts to where in the middle of this walk on a quiet road where nobody was around to help me, he started screaming at me, calling me all these names, literally like I'm disgusting. I'm an idiot. I have my head so far up my ass. I am out of touch. I'm pathetic. No wonder I'm alone. No man would want to be with somebody like that. My dog and I are both ugly. And he stormed off. I mean, I'm so sorry. Like, that's just, again, it's like vile, embarrassing behavior on his behalf. And it was, the premise was, he's like, everybody hates Megan. You have, don't understand. She's a disgusting, horrible human who is trying to ruin our queen's, like the queen. And I'm like, this is a Scott. Like, I don't even understand what he's saying. So he, he walked away. He stormed off. I stood there before the tears came flooding to my eyes, literally a gas, like my jaw on the ground. I can't, first of all, I was like, oh my God, you read my newsletter. (laughs) 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 And then I'm like, wait, what? Why is this happening? And so what is it? What is it that is getting men like Jeremy Clarkson and Cameron, my pathetic neighbor who's taken care of by a much older, wealthier woman? What, what is it that's getting under their skin? Why is it so upsetting? Like something that's like we're like usually Scottish people are on the right side of things. By the way, just as a my all my family are Scottish. I know that's why someone like Jeremy Clarkson hates Nicola Sturgeon, who's first minister of Scotland, is because she she's not like anti the royal family, but she is anti the union and anti the British government and the royal family dictating Scotland as they have done for hundreds of years now. So that's like not, I just have to sort of clarify that that's not what a lot of Scottish people feel. The man that spoke to you, was screamed at you this morning is not, he's not like a lot of Scots, but I think the thing about Meghan Markle is she aggravates, she's aggravating the status quo in the UK. And I think first of all, people are like deeply conditioned to be really defensive of the royal family, which is so odd because it's like, you don't even know them. They're not giving you their money. They're just rich with their own money. You're not benefiting from being out there defending them, but she's aggravating it. And she's American, which they find, well, she's not from here. She's a woman of color. Like she's an African-American woman. So she's aggravating it. And then also they're like, how dare you? And that's where this sort of like, I mean, I I can't really rationalize it and I don't because it's it's so bizarre to me. It's like, why do you care so much about a woman you don't know? Don't know. I connected to. Why do you care? Is your world so small that you have nothing else to be getting so passionate about that you're having to throw all of that? You're getting so angry on a Tuesday, Wednesday morning at 730 at someone that, you know, about someone you don't know. It's so twisted. It was so interesting. When I posted about the documentary and I was watching it on my story, a couple people were like, ugh, it's so bad. And I said, oh yeah, like I haven't gotten to the end. What did you think? And the two of them, two people said, oh, I haven't watched it. I've just heard. I'm like, so you're forming these opinions. You're you're taking the time to respond to my my Instagram. That's what so many people I think, look, I watched the whole thing and I treated it a bit like a sort of reality TV show. I was like, this is enjoyable. I'm having a glass of wine. I'm watching a TV show. It's partly fascinating. I don't feel like I found out that much, but whatever. I still, I'm like, good for them. Like, honestly, good for them. And the things that she's come out and spoken about good for her like that takes so much courage to speak out against what is like just historically and systemically a really fucked up um 
family and like sort of tradition in this country. Uh, I hate the fact that they called each other H&M. I was like, oh, my God. Wait, that's my le- that it is. It's nails on a chalkboard to me. So, guys, if you haven't watched it, I actually feel the exact same way as Gracie does about the documentary. I sat there, watched it, had a glass of wine. Yeah, I know that much. It. <laughs> and, and it was entertaining. And my, I have a lot of empathy. As I wrote in the newsletter, I have a lot of empathy for Harry. My mom died two months before his mom died. I have that shared grief. Like, you're looking for an escape from that moment on you are looking for your way out. And I understand that. And Megan was that, but they call each other and then everybody around, they call each other H and M or, you know, not like the store, but M and H. And it drives me fucking nuts. And every single person referred to them as M or H. It drove me nuts. But anyway, the thing that just this thought just popped in my head, which I just back to Jeremy Clarkson and the Piers Morgans of the world and the man that was rude to you today, right? I sort of feel eventually as a family, there will be some sort of unification. Obviously, you know, it's family. Like what Jeremy Clarkson is not involved in this, he is not part of that family. So won't it be so humiliating for him when eventually it sort of does, it won't sort itself out because the royal family is always going to exist, but they'll lose relevance. But I'm sure at some point there'll be some kind of reconciliation because it's a family as well. That's This happened within a family. And that's just so embarrassing for someone like Jeremy Clarkson who sort of like, hung himself on defending a family that he has nothing to do with when actually it's got nothing to do with him and probably he'll be sort of proven wrong at some point. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I would imagine just the optics, whether or not that article was discussed at his lunch with the queen consort and Piers Morgan, who I also find as dreadful, um, who's blocked me on Twitter, by the way, he, you know, it just looked bad that it looked like they they were all in cahoots, like everybody knew it was coming and ha ha ha, let's have a good laugh. And that they're, that he's just sort of articulating the viewpoints of, of queen consort and gang. And that's, that was pretty damaging, I would imagine. And I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, this is a family thing and it's, it, it's terribly sad that it's come to this. I find it so interesting though everybody seemed so captivated the documentary presented as everybody was so captivated by her initially people even the people you would imagine not being really were caught up in it and were like she's beautiful she's graceful she's bringing a new a new element to the royal family the queen seemed to be enchanted with her and then things started to turn and the way the documentary presented is this was a media this was a media strategy this is the daily mail and others as a way to just sort of get, and they're the ones that turned the crowd against Megan as they started to write these horribly negative stories. Do you think that plays a part into it? I think there's a huge part of the media in the UK that is completely in cahoots with the royal family. So that part of the media, like the like Daily Mail and like other sort of tabloid papers, like they will sort of speak to the part of the royal family that because what it sounds like from watching the documentary is that William's team started to get nervous about Harry and Meghan's popularity and then that's when the sort of shift happened that's when Piers Morgan started being like oh this isn't looking good Meghan's looking a bit too popular now and that's where it started to shift so it's hard to say like where necessarily that 100% came from because I'm not in the royal family but I know that like then those papers will speak to and for 
the the royal family, the part of the royal family that is going to eventually become king. And so, yeah, like 100%, the media have had a huge part to play in that. But that's because there's a part of the media in this country that will do fucking anything for the royal family. And that's what the country is so, so bizarre because we have journalists who will say horrible things about a woman who hasn't really done anything wrong because they feel she's challenging the royal family or because she's risking or jeopardizing the popularity of the royal family. And what about your generation? And what about the like millennials and Gen Z and your, your group of friends? Do people have that same sort of undying devotion to the royal family or is that changing? I feel they just have acted really badly because if they'd have kept Meghan and Harry in, it would have been good for them with their popularity with Gen Zers and younger people because even I and like my friends, we were like, we liked them. And so we were like, okay, that's kind of fun. They're kind of fun. Like that's bringing a new zest to the Royal family who to me and my friends and like a lot of people I know just look so archaic and sort of like, stinky not physically but like they it's like this old like everything in their house probably is covered in dust like that's what i associate with them it's just like not modern in any way and so i feel like they really fucked themselves there because if they'd have kept harry and megan sweet they would have remained popular with part of the country who haven't liked them for a really long time i think in general like gen z i can't speak for like all parts of my generation in this country but like everyone i know is pretty like whatever to the royal family like just doesn't really yeah it seems very generational right like it was very funny when this old scottish guy and he's like 10 years older than me or whatever but he was like you're so out of touch your head is so far up your ass you're so out of touch i'm like baby like turn the camera jeremy clarkson said in his article when he was like everybody my age agrees with me and it's like yeah no they don't you hang out in Chipping Norton with like the same bunch of rich Tories. And actually so many people your age have always thought you're a cunt. You know, and I said that to my mum, I was like, God, can you believe what Jeremy Clarkson's done? She was like, he's been this awful for such a long time. Like he's always been like this. So needless to say, if I had stayed dating him, you and I wouldn't have become friends. No, exactly. Well, I mean, you didn't, bro, for various. But by the way, a red flag for him if his audience knew that not only did he date an American girl, but an American liberal Los Angeles and Greenwich Village who is anti royal family, pro Obama, pro diversity, very, very liberal. Um, Yeah, my God. The the, the outrage, the outrage that would have been thrown on him. Now, you know, it's so funny because when I call him and others, people like this misogynist they're like no they're in service of the queen they worship the queen how can you be a misogynist if you worship the queen my take is that the queen who's an incredible obviously an incredible person and had to navigate like multiple generations of change and you know old old ways and new ways and you know my lord but she still was in service to them she was in service to the people she was in service to to people and Jeremy felt like she was in service. She you, Does that make sense? Whereas like the Megans of the world were not in service. They're actually breaking ranked at whatever. So they're no longer doing what they want them to do. So therefore they the are terrible. Is, what annoys me so much yeah, about that, it's like, okay, so Boris Johnson, who was prime minister here, not anymore, but for a really long time, broke the law and actually disrespected the Queen so much. Like, for example, when... 
Prince Philip died, the Queen was the only person who could go to the funeral because those were the lockdown laws at that time. It was in COVID. Those were the rules that, you know, you couldn't have mass gatherings. So the Queen went and mourned her husband on her own in a church because she obeyed the laws that the government had created. And then it came out that Boris Johnson had, meanwhile, been breaking all of those laws, right? And having parties at his... But people then... like Jeremy Clarkson and Piers Morgan would never, ever give that energy to someone like Boris Johnson because he's one of them. And that's what it comes down to. It's like in the, the problem with the UK is it's so deep-rooted. Like, we... Our class system is... is it, it, I, as I've observed when I've been around the world, it's like nothing else in the world because of the royal family and because of the monarchy and because we have these sort of old school sort of ways of like deciding who is upper class. And so people like Jeremy Clarkson, Boris Johnson, they sort of speak to that part of our culture who is incredibly pro the royal family because it protects them and it protects their sort of place in society where they are allowed to be these old school rich bigoted people who get away with it because they have like a specific accent. So my point is the reason Megan- It's all about accent, right? Because then my- That's why Megan triggers all of these people so much for all of these reasons. She's not from a middle or upper class family. She's not British. She's not white. She's an actress. Do you know what I mean? She just triggers them all because they probably all wanted to fuck her and then now feel really angry that she's sort of like- made so much like I guess damage to the royal family and what an insult to Harry by the way all these people out there saying that she's manipulative she took him she's controlling everything and like you know Harry's I mean he seems to be a pretty self-sufficient independent guy who made a decision like this is been a long time coming, right? You saw his sort of his rocky adolescence, the decision to wear a Nazi uniform at Halloween, but these were all pushing the boundaries of saying like, I don't want to be a part of this machine. I want to have some like life. And that's why his escapes have been, you know, prior to Megan, his and his alone to make and his escapes, his mistakes, his decisions. And then, you know, to put all of this power and say that this woman is masterminded him, like, uh, like it's such, it goes back to the, like the, the Salem witch trials, right? Like we are, it's classic. It's like, how do you not see the classic nature of your fucking you know, narrative here by saying this woman, the magic vagina or whatever it is, has come and taken over this man and and has made him make all of these decisions. And if she were to just be gone, everything would go back to normal. Like giving Harry no credit, that poor mm-hmm. boy has, as you know. That's what sort of seeped through in Jeremy Clarkson's disgusting piece was that he sort of makes out like Harry's a puppet. And it's like, you watch the documentary and also, by the way, we all grew up with Harry. Like he never really liked the Royal family all that much. Like he was looking for an out. So it's just like insane to then put it all on her. But again, this is what like makes me so angry. Like you said, like Diana died around the time of your mom. And so you grieved and watched all of that. And like, we all know the fact that he lost his mom because of the media and because of the machine that surrounds the sort of the royal family and the madness like of it and then and the stuff that jeremy does is a dog whistle yeah but then why would you think he wouldn't have his own his own emotional decision because of what's happened to him it's like it's crazy that people sort of forget that 
the fact is, and so for those of you listening, if you didn't know, the, a lot of the reason why Harry, I'm not giving, I'm not saying everything they've done has been perfect. They've made some bad choices. There's a little lack of awareness. I think Harry, ha- as as you see in the documentary, so much of his life was controlled by comms people, PR people. Like that, like each person in the royal family had their own PR teams. Like the fact is, the PR machine in the royal family and in England itself is way different and more powerful and more. In, in dark arts than we have in, in the field that I'm in. I could not play that games. And so it's very Machiavellian. You'd have the, you know, the brothers have separate PR teams and their homes have separate, and then those people will fight it out and they'll like break stories away from it. It's just all very unhealthy. But in some of the decisions, I think that Harry has just been programmed to think that like everything has to come through the lens of strategy and calms. Even if he's trying to break away from that, he and Megan are still living in that very much like, what this documentary is, but one of the reasons they have to make money, I mean, they did grow, you know, accustomed, he's accustomed to a certain lifestyle. And I, you know, I, it's not like he's going to go and live in a two bedroom condo in West Hollywood, but it's a security. And the Royal family made the decision if he was going to go to America, that they would not pay for security. And you need to have, as you see, just if you watch anything that you need to have security with them and their children and wherever they are, paparazzi and others are trying to get to them. And so they have to pay for 24 hour, seven days a week security, which is quite pricey. And it's not like a security system. Like you have to have human beings all around them, wherever they go. And the Royal family took that privilege away from them. That was something that came with the package as being a part of it. Do you think, cause now there's talk that this column by Jeremy shows that there's so much violence thought of towards Megan and there's so much hate and that this was a dog whistle to like people to say like it's open season. I've heard some talk to say that this might get them their security detail back or is that just I mean I have no idea about that but I think like you said earlier like he's really like in a way for the people who watched the documentary and were saying like oh I don't really like Megan or whatever this article that Jeremy Clarkson has written has definitely moved so many people back in Megan's favor because regardless nobody deserves that no one deserves to be spoken about like that no one deserves to be at risk of that kind of violence and like in the documentary you see like when they lost their security detail they were in Canada and lockdown was starting and they had people like walking in like in through their gates and you, you see all of the like CCTV footage so they are obviously at risk now So I think in a way, like you said, what Jeremy Clarkson has done has proven that they do need that. And that also that rhetoric around her, he's sort of like handed her so much more power, obviously by riling, you know, it's it's not a good thing. But I think in a way, like what he's done, he'll be fucked off of himself. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it'll be quite interesting what Amazon does. I I know ITV says that he's staying on as the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but for now, Amazon, it's an American company. You know, they have a very diverse board. Did that get a lot of press and did his- Huge. Really? Huge amount of press in America. Like people were like, you know, my sister-in-law who lives in another world, like doesn't pay attention to anything, was like, isn't this the guy you used to date? It really crossed into the zeitgeist mainstream. It was the front page of, it was between Elon, which we haven't even, this is the first time I've mentioned space Karen in this podcast, but it was, it was Elon Jeremy Clarkson world cup. 
Really? Wow. I did. I wouldn't have thought it would have had that much reach there. Well, you know, the Daily Mail has definitely changed the minds of Americans as well, right? The Daily Mail website, because it changes the content so much and you get, they have all these images of all these people, people are obsessed with like the Kardashians or whatnot. So you put something on that front page, people like, oh, it's just, that's where people are getting there. You know, we didn't used to have this problem in America. Like we were always a tabloid society in a way, like back in the day, National Enquirer or whatever. Ever. Aliens have taken Elvis, but it was never like the culture. It wasn't mainstream. It wasn't acceptable. It was sort of like you snuck it when you were walking through the grocery store. And mm. in Britain, in the UK, you guys have had that that tabloid culture start with Murdochs and whatnot for for generations. Like that's what really moves people. That's where people get it. People still buy newspapers. People go and see the tabloid, which is like where Jeremy's piece mm -hmm. came. And we didn't have that until the Daily Mail really, which made it right. mainstream and okay. And people aspiring to be on it as many people as aspiring to not be on it. It's just, it's wild. It did hit America and, you know, it was shocking. And I felt that it was my place as in any woman who, whether they know Jeremy or the men behind these scenarios or not, to speak out and say, this is, you've crossed the line. Like, you don't like someone, fine. If you were to make it your entire personality, like Piers Morgan, like Godspeed, you know, look what happens. But if you're yeah. going to start inciting violence and wishing violence and humiliation on a woman and a woman of color and somebody you don't know, uh, that's another fucking level. And that needs to be called out mm -hmm. and it's disgusting. And it's the sign of the times that we're in. Like, I really just, I can't believe how much anger we're just, everybody is so angry. And how do you, I want to hear about you, Grace, because I, tell us what you're doing, what you're working on, because you're always, you have this amazing podcast with your dad. Do you, are you still doing that? Yeah, because my dad's now got a new podcast here, but I'm in, I've got a podcast in the works. I can't talk about it just yet, but it's okay. going to involve America. So. Oh, good. I Well, I can't wait for that. Yeah. And Grace um, comes from a, a family of um, incredible strategic brains, right? Both your family comes from political. My dad is one of the, so it was him and Tony Blair that coined the phrase, the people's princess. Mm. Wow. I um I can't tell you how many people I stay in their guest rooms and they have your dad's books at the bedside tables. It's happened to me three times, one in LA, one in Aspen and one in um, Florida. I'm like, that's Alistair Campbell's book. That is so random. If random, right? Yeah. But that, yeah, well, it, he's definitely, yeah, well, he, he's got such a good reputation for like his PR and spin. But they, we, I've definitely grown up with the luxury of like being very well versed in a lot of this stuff, but also very anti it. So it's like, I know a lot about the media and the royal family and like British politics, but also ha have been very much raised in a sort of, we are not like them. Like we are not like, like some of the, my dad raised me with like this motto that if you meet anyone who's a Tory, tell them that they're scum. And if you meet any members of the media, <laughs> tell them that they're scum. And I used to think that was like, they, they were just enemy number one, Tories and the media. And then I found out my dad was actually a journalist. So I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, at the moment I'm about to take, well, in the new year, I'm taking my show on tour around the UK and doing some pretty big venues. Here it's a show about my relationship with men. And then I'm making a documentary at the moment. That I can't quite 
talk about, but it's, I'm very excited about it. And then, yeah. And when you do your stand up, I've been in the audience a couple of times when your parents are in the audience and you're mm-hmm. very open. You talk about your sexual escapades and you're very open about your body and about, you know, just like the, what it's like to be a woman now and um, how, like when you go home at night and like have dinner with your parents, like what was dad like, okay, it was, thank you for They're telling me that. So desensitized to it. Like yeah. it's mad. Like nothing shocks them probably because they've had a life of with me where I have always been quite keen to shock. Um, like I used to just swear for the sake of it when I was really young, cause I knew it would really offend people. And so did they give you, did they punish you? Like every time I swear, my mom told me I had to put like a dollar in the swear jar he still now is like stop swearing and i'm like it's a bit like when a parent tells you not to smoke but they smoke it's like as they're smoking a cigarette what what do you want me to do so like yeah they they definitely would try but i just think i don't know i feel like i really pushed the boundaries if ever now it's to the point that i could literally just have like i could have a vibrator in my pocket at dinner and they'd be like oh of course you've got a vibrator in your pocket like you're so attention seeking Yeah, well, I mean, if you ever are with Grace Campbell, you can pretty much count on the fact that if you need a vibrator, she might have one. Just whip it out. I've got a shoebox full of them on my dining table right now. <laughs> That's amazing. I um I I was very much new to the vibrator game. It was like people started getting it's very open now, right? Like Lily Allen has her own yeah. vibrator partner, like a collab. And there's this company here, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Quinn, which I'm obsessed with. It was yeah. actually founded by um the founder of of Snap's uh sister, so Evan Spiegel's sister. Wow. Okay. And she's incredible. And I'm so sorry I can't remember her name. I feel like it's a Rebecca. I, I'm losing my mind, but the company's called Quinn and it's made for women and it's about oral porn as opposed to video so it's because we are very we like to hear it like i can watch porn all day if there's no sound on it, it does nothing right it's the sound yeah. that really gets us and i just yeah i mean i love this generational shift in being very open about our sexuality and ownership of our bodies and why can't we be sexualized the way you know and i don't know i just i, I love it so much but you are, have done something the number of years now that I have threatened to come to, and I swear to God, I'm going to do it. But it's I, what fascinates me, even though it started off this conversation with a bad taste in my mouth about Scotland because of my run in with the old out of touch Scottish guy on my street. But you do the Fringe That's Festival. Fringe. Yeah. Yeah, you should come. It's the summer, right? All of August. Yeah, but I'm only doing a week next year. But it's mad. It's like the whole of Edinburgh which is just like already such a stunning city. Like it's amazing. And I just love Scotland and I love Scottish people. I think they're superior to English people. Um, Except that's one guy. Except him, but yeah, exactly. Thank God he's not there anymore. He, so all of Edinburgh just becomes like a festival and every, every venue becomes a, like every pub becomes a venue. My show last year was in a nightclub for a univer- for Edinburgh University. It was in their uni nightclub. Like everything is a venue. And there's just, you can see every comedian. I mean, this year there were so many people from America, like comedians from America came over. It's such a vibe. Honestly, Brooke, you'd absolutely- It's definitely crossed over into the US zeitgeist because a lot of people I knew on my socials on Instagram were like going to the Fringe Festival for our holiday tracking some of their favorite comedians and artists or whatnot. And so I was like, this is so huge, Grace. I didn't even know about it. And so it's 
it's you have done such an amazing job in your narrative of it. Like it brings it to life so much when I follow you on your TikToks or stories. I'm like, I absolutely have to go. So um, we'll put we'll put a link in the show notes and more information about it. Amazing. I love okay, you. last thing we yes. do this every every episode. It's our our take on Mary Fuck Kill, which is mm-hmm. Mary make out and mute. And it could be a person, a thing, an idea, fictional, non-fictional. So I wanted to see who you would marry, who you would make out with, and who who you would mute. Um, and if you want to think about it and you want me to go first, I can do that too. You go first and I'll think about okay. it. Okay. Okay. I who I um I would marry. My God, I've done such a good job in avoiding marriage this whole time. But I know this is just a, a figurative thing. But I would I would marry all of the people who really came out publicly in defense of of what happened this weekend with Jeremy Clarkson. So some real people who took you know women in in media who took risks with their audiences and whatnot to really um, call it out. And all of the people who spoke, even your prime minister and your mayor of London and the, um, uh, everyone, I mean, even in America, every, every single person that's come out, I would marry. Make out, I think I would make out with all of the security detail for Harry and Meghan because they like they all look, at least from like some images I've seen, they like they're hot. Like I think I would love to be on that security detail just so when they had a break, they could make out with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would mute. I would mute all old men miso- misogynists, like whether it's Jeremy, whether it's this guy on the street today. Just these out of touch, um, generally racist, bigoted, sexist men. Okay, I'm going to go slightly off like that piece because you've nailed it and I agree with all of those. I would marry Lionel Messi, who is... Oh, God, that's a good one. Yeah, who's just won the World Cup. I would make out... Can I just tell you there's this hilarious TikTok I'll share with you. This woman shows this, it's this picture of Messi with his kids and taking us a picture of his wife. And he's like, listen, ladies, this man played 180 minutes of soccer. Didn't stop. This man won the world cup. He, you know, did this, did that, did this, this, that. And yet he's still able to take his wife's photo. You guys can do half of that. <laughs> so he, him, Mary, I would make out with Kylian Mbappe, who's the French player who actually, I sort of, I'm in love with him. He's amazing. He's only 23, but I just love him so much. And like the final was just like such an intense bit of football. And I don't even really care about football, but I love Mbappe. So those two, I mean, what was his name? Salt Bay getting on the Oh my God, the Salt Bay. Apparently he is friends with the head of FIFA. So probably something shady. So Salt Bay is this very, very disgusting, like entrepreneur around restaurants that the food is inedible and you can go and charge like a thousand dollars for a steak. And he does that. He became famous in a meme because Leonardo DiCaprio and gang had dinner with him at his one of his restaurants. And he does that sort of throwing salt with his hand movement. It became a meme that then launched this restaurant empire there. He could, because of this influencer culture, people are going to spend ridiculous amounts of money on subpar food. Like he opened one of the biggest restaurants in New York city. And I don't think it's doing well, but he's very rich. He's Turkish. He's not at first. I was like, Oh, is he Argentinian? No, he's Turkish. Trying to get a selfie with Messi when Messi's a bit busy. 
Messi's like, please stop touching me. Yeah. Um, but the man did touch the World Cup, and apparently the only people that are allowed to touch world, the World Cup are players or people connected to the world, right? Or like world leaders. I, I mute him. Okay. Mute him, mute his restaurants, mute, mute his horrible food. Well, with that, Grace, there's so much, there's so many other things in pop culture we did not get into, but I felt you were so perfect for this conversation because you can shed some light on the mindset as us silly out of touch Americans. Uh, I'm not saying that for real, but that's the way our viewpoint is. We, I, I honestly can't have an, a deep understanding about the, the royal family in terms of my, my culture. So it was important to get your take on it and your take as always is so brilliant well i love you lots brooke and i can't wait to I'll, see you in the new I'll year i'll see you in a few weeks and i can't wait to meet your new baby what kind of dog is she she's a king charles spaniel cavalier king charles spaniel oh mm. it was my parents right it stays in the family because they're the best exactly i love little king charles cavaliers well i love you grace david as always thank you for all of this and guys we'll see you in 2023 i think i'm actually doing it from london next time i see you so happy new year everyone Mwah. Pop culture.